values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Great time to remind you, Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks headed to Chase Field one night on the same stage, December 8th. Tickets go on sale 10 a.m. this Friday. You got a shot to win a pair of tickets by going to the contest page at KTAR.com. Um, by the way, that's a show I would I, I, I want to go to see that show so badly. I think Stevie Nicks is one of the top three voices, songwriters of the 1970s, without a doubt, 60s and 70s. And I'd love somebody to fight me on it. The, go look at the list of songs that she has written and performed. It is incredible. Um, I just think she's absolutely one of the best. Um Shift gears to the president of the United States, the former president, Donald Trump. He made a claim that he believed he was going to be arrested today uh, in New York. People of New York are speaking out. And again, it's a microcosm. I mean, you're talking about a very small group of people. But the sentiment largely from people seems to be that this is politically motivated. And that's where the problem lies. Now, to be fair, um, and I don't have to give my resume every time I do this, I have been the one that's taken the arrows for a long time from my own party about the p- partisan nature of the Arizona audit of Maricopa County and the elections in 2020. I believe that to be overtly partisan. It appeared to be partisan. It was partisan. You hired a guy to do the audit that already believed the election was stolen. That's not science. Um, and then you surrounded yourself with people that believed that it was stolen wholeheartedly. The volunteers there believed it was. They didn't know what they were doing. They brought in a documentarian to say that the election was stolen. And if you were trying to get honest scientific information, even if you found it, nobody was going to believe it because of the partisan nature of what you did. On the other side of that coin, Nancy Pelosi using Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler in the Intelligence Committee and in the Judiciary Committee, uh, uh, respectively, uh, to use those committees to investigate the president, the former president, for all four years of his administration. And they kept promising evidence that they never produced. But even if they produced it, a large segment of our society saw right through this as a partisan attack. Nancy Pelosi hated Donald Trump. She couldn't control herself and tore up his State of the Union speech while she sat right behind him. That is not the way a professional behaves, but she did it. There is a there is a as many people out there in this country that love President Trump and believe he can do no wrong. There is another group of people on the other side of that same coin that hate him so much they think he should be in prison just because he exists. And neither are I think neither group is good for America. We have to be able to disagree. You have to be able to, the day that I work at a place or I work with people that they don't feel like they can come and tell me I'm wrong. And I can't take that information without feeling as if they're being disloyal. We're in trouble. My criticisms of Trump, of President Trump, have been many. You, uh, you lauded what a great Governor Ducey was, then you called him a rhino. You lauded what a great member of the County Board of Supervisors, Clint Hickman, was by name at an event here in Arizona, then you called him a rhino, and you called all these people evil, and you disowned all of them as being disloyal. Ron DeSantis, now you're going after him saying he's, what is it, you're going after his sexuality and saying he's grooming kids, and all of these things things are out there when this was somebody that was on your side before and all that they've done is disagree with you. So there are things I disagree with with President Trump. 
But that doesn't mean that I, people want to sit by and watch the government do to him what they've done with other people in a political attack. And that's what New Yorkers are saying here. This is just one example. A couple of things. Here's a guy thinks believes that they're never going to get him on this. My reaction to that is nope. They won't hold anything on him. They already raided him before he gets out of it. He was a good president, honestly. Way better than Sleepy Joe. So I didn't like him at first, but he, he gave us the truth as it was. So better off, I guess. Here's someone else that believes we got to move on. I think it'd be great if the DA actually focused on real crime in Manhattan, like all the pot stores that are open up, rather than something that may have happened seven years ago. I don't understand why we're still trying to find this guy guilty of stuff. It's been seven years. Nothing's going to come of it. Let's move on. And this is the narrative now. People, this is how people see it. It's always something. Now it's he may have paid off an adult entertainer, a porn star, to not rat out the fact that he had an affair with her so his wife and the country wouldn't find out when he was running for election. So who are you going to go after? You better go after Kennedy. You better go after John F. Kennedy. You better go after Bill Clinton. These are two we know for a fact are people that were unfaithful to their wives. Those guys in the White House. So again, is this is it time to move on? Here's someone else what they said about this. It will give him more notoriety and his base will get even stronger. Poll numbers are showing him rising in the polls when this happens. Now, again, this is I am someone who believes if you break the law, you should be held accountable. But there also is when the machine comes after you, because if you uh, when you're driving down the road on any given day on a journey to work, when you get in your car and you drive to work, you talk to the average person that knows traffic laws in America. Even if you are a safe driver and a normal driver, not doing anything out of the ordinary, you break three, four, five different traffic laws between your home and your office. Because there are so many of them on the books. Now, what are you going to say if people start getting pulled over for some of those things? You're uh, there's a cop sitting in a Circle K, and you're driving down the road, and you change lanes. There's nobody else. It's a Saturday morning, six a.m. You're changing lanes, and you don't use a turn signal to change lanes. So that cop decides to hit the lights and sirens, pull you over, and give you a ticket for an illegal lane change. Is that how that law and what it's written for? Or is that just somebody that's just out there being a jerk? And people feel as if it's time to move on. And you're watching his poll numbers go up. Now, I'm not for or against Donald Trump. I'm not. I voted for him twice. I've been very honest about my voting record. Voted for him twice. Didn't like the things he said about John McCain. I hated it. I don't like some of the other things that he has done. But I'm not a hater. Which makes people that hate him hate me. I'm also not a sycophant, which makes his followers hate me as well as being disloyal. And I think both groups need to calm down a little bit. I disagreed with Reagan. Reagan, I know, I know, sacrilege. I disagreed with George W. Bush, and I volunteered on his re-election campaign. There were things that happened at the end of the Bush administration that I disagreed with. But I love that president. As a human being, I am so happy that the world is beginning to see the side of George W. Bush that I got to see in the very few minutes that I spent with him. But that doesn't mean I agree with everything, nor do I expect everybody to agree with me all the time. I'm very fortunate. I've got a family that cares deeply about me, but they don't always agree with me. And the day that they're not allowed to disagree with me, and if they disagree with me, I disown them, I'm going to be a lonely person. And I just I'm wondering how far this is going to end up going in a moment. China and Russia 
have a multi-day meeting where they discuss a new world order. Should the U.S. be concerned? We'll talk about this in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, Big concerns about the world as we watch the world line up. If you are a student of history at all, military history or otherwise, you understand how how the world lines up and what sometimes is an ally becomes an enemy and vice versa. And we know that Russia has been an enemy of the U.S. for decades. If you grew up when I did, the Cold War was won without firing a shot because their economy crumbled and they tried to beat us in an arms race. They were not able to. Now, it's an oversimplification, but that basically is what happened. Ronald Reagan knew we would be able to build weapons better and faster and their economy couldn't keep up their economy collapsed and now their leader vladimir putin who was a big part of the cold war being with the kgb would like nothing more before he dies than to see the greatness of the ussr return at the same time if he could collapse the u.s that would be the ultimate goal for them we know that our, our adversaries politically and economically are the Chinese, the two biggest uh, governments in the country or in the world. One of them is a communist country. The other is a capitalist nation. And we balance each other out and we don't go to war because we depend on each other's economy to remain strong. The world does not want to see a war where China and the U.S. is at war because the entire world economy is tied to those two major economies in one way or another. So this is something the entire world should be watching as Russia, as as Russia and China meet for a multi-day meeting. Um, President Xi of of uh, China um, referred uh, Putin referred to him as a dear friend. Uh, they went out to dinner on Monday. They are continuing their meetings. Um, the international community has recognized that no country is superior to others. No model of governance is universal. No single country should dictate to the international order. This is what the CCP or the Chinese Communist Party foreign minister said of the meeting. The common interest of, of all humankind is a world that is united and peaceful rather than divided and volatile. But they, are, they want peace in Russia, but they are not going to tell Russia to move from Ukraine. So are they lining up? Because if you look at some of the deals that have happened, the Chinese have brokered a deal between the Iranians and the Saudis. We know that the Chinese have been brokering a deal when it comes to the purchase of oil, and they want to use Chinese currency. And right now the world, the reserve currency in the world, is the U.S. dollar, is what has propped up our fiat currency for a very long time. When we went to a fiat currency, and this was under the uh, administration of, of Richard Nixon, there was a handshake deal made with the Saudis that when it came to oil, that the international world would deal in dollars, meaning they had to convert their currency to dollars to buy this oil. Well, now that may be gone with one of the biggest economies on the planet and the Chinese. The point I'm making is when you look at how things are lining up, the North Koreans hate us, so they will align themselves with the Chinese, not to mention how much of the North Korean economy is dependent on China. The Iranians hate us. They are our sworn enemies. We now know in the Middle East the Saudis are not necessarily, certainly with this administration, not friendly. Um, So we are looking at the OPEC nations where a large amount, the lion's share of production of oil is coming from. They don't like us, and they may side with that side of the world. So are you going to watch North America? 
and Europe, uh, Australia, are we going to stand up against the Chinese, the Iranians, the Russians, the North Koreans? Is this war on its way? Are we about to see the superpowers of the world battle each other? That's a big concern. One of the reasons why people have been talking about Russia in Ukraine, the belief after watching what Hitler did in World War II, where people didn't take much of it very seriously at the beginning as he marched into Poland and he began to take over other parts of the world. And the Italians, Italy, sided with the with uh, the the Nazis. And then we turned into a world war which cost so many lives for so long and many people say would have lasted a lot less time had the U.S. gotten involved before they were forced into it by the attack on Pearl Harbor and the Chinese. I am not advocating for world war. I'm certainly never going to do that. I'm certainly not advocating for American troops in Ukraine. What I am saying is there's more to this than isolationism. For the U.S. to say it's happening on the other side of the world, it's none of our business, we should have no involvement in that, I think, is a myopic, short-sighted view of things. Because you see what's happening. Now you've got the Chinese leader meeting for days and days with the Russian leader. Russia cannot take over the world by itself. Russia does not have the ability, especially with the losses it's taken so far in this war, what they thought was going to be an easy walk into taking back parts of Ukraine that they wanted to has turned out to be disastrous. But that doesn't mean they're out of the game as long as China has their back. And if there is an alliance there, what happens if the Chinese speak up and say, if the U.S. crosses this line, we will enter this fray? And it's a long way from that happening, but it's a big concern if we're not paying attention to how the world is 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 now lining up. I'm not saying we're going to war, but we know who our friends are and we're seeing who our enemies are. Are we preparing properly? I would say especially in the energy part, part of this thing. If the Saudis make this deal, if, if we start seeing oil being traded with Chinese currency and not just U.S. currency, if we see what happened when the president of the United States asked them to keep their, their, their production of oil up, they said no. As a matter of fact, they didn't even take the phone call. We have to look at that. We always have to negotiate from a position of strength. Peace through strength is what Reagan said, and we have got to make sure we are always strong. One of the local stories, and I want to talk about this next, there is a big project and three propositions on the ballot in Tempe that would open a huge entertainment district in Tempe and would also be beneficial to the Arizona Coyotes. But there is an organization that does not like any of these propositions. We're going to talk about this battle and what we think of it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, this local story I think is one that we've faced many times, and that is the investment by the cities and by the state sometimes in facilities that would bring more business. I'm, I'm big on investment. I don't think these are bad things. I even break with people in my own party at sometimes on these. But this is an interesting f- uh, fight. Uh, 301, 302, and 303 are the ballot initiatives, the special election to being held in Tempe. Um, 
It would create an entertainment district in Tempe. A grassroots group is amping up the opposition to this $2 billion development deal. Um, so the way this would work out, the Coyotes and Bluebird Development LLC um, said the Coyotes will invest $2.1 billion in private land, and the district will add more than 6,000 union jobs and other financial benefits and tax revenue to the area. Opponents say the costly deal, and they question the motives – of of the coyotes and they talk about the past with the coyotes in uh, the West Valley. Last year, the Tempe City Council agreed to send three propositions to the voters to create a coyotes entertainment district that would include 2,000 apartments, a new hockey arena, 16,000 seats in that arena, and a complete entertainment district with businesses, gambling hubs, and more than 45 acres of city-owned land west of Tempe Town Lake on Priest, Priest Drive and Rio Salado Parkway. Um, this Prop 301 uh, would amend the city's general plan. Um, so this is – I want to get – before we – I don't want to get too in the weeds with the three propositions. I don't live in Tempe, but I think the Valley benefits from things like this. Uh, everywhere I've gone, and I, you know, I get to travel around the country quite a bit, even in New York City. I was just in New York City. I was staying two blocks from Madison Square Garden. Not only did they have basketball and hockey there, they had uh, – they now are going to have Sweet 16 games there. This is, um, in my opinion, I think this helps build a community. Have you ever – and it, there are many people here from somewhere else. There is more than just the dollars and cents, but that matters. We do a lot to build our community, and there is investment in it. So is this about investment? I don't think it is. I think opposition to this comes from people that don't like the fact that other people are going to make money from it. If the city of Tempe was talking about an investment in parks, nobody would complain. Um, We have parks. We have golf courses. We have Tempe Town Lake. When I say we, that community does. In Phoenix, we've got the Phoenix Zoo. We have parks and golf courses. The city owns multiple municipal golf courses that you play in at a very deep discount if you're a resident of the city of Phoenix. So I say all of this because um, it's not necessarily just about the investment from the city. It's, in my opinion, opposition to this comes because rich people are going to get richer. I've never had a problem with that. I will tell you, I'm a Cardinal season ticket holder, but I'm very disappointed in what we've seen of the Cardinals in the last few years. I have a ton of respect for Michael Bidwill. Um, He made a promise to the Cardinal fans when he took over the team, and he said, you guys get us a stadium, we'll put a winner on the field. And for a long time, the Cardinals did. That atmosphere in in that stadium was completely different. They went to a Super Bowl. The Red Sea rising up, that was great on game day. But simply from a dollars and cents standpoint, the fact that we've had national championship games and the Fiesta Bowl is played in that arena. We've had Final Fours in that arena. Wrestle Mania has been there. Huge events. Two Taylor Swift concerts sold out two days in a row just recently. What does that do for the community? Does it matter to you that Michael Bidwill is a very wealthy – that's a wealthy family. He's not just a wealthy guy that is getting wealthier because of it. I don't care. I really don't. When the Diamondbacks were winning the World Series, nobody complained about the investment into downtown Phoenix. They're not playing well right now. They haven't won very often, so now people question it. They're probably going to end up out of downtown. I think they'll end up somewhere else. But I've never had a problem with the government – 
the city deciding we are going to be um, we're going to invest in this, especially when it's something that's a part of the community. I want you to just picture this Um, in Cleveland. When you go downtown, and I was there where the queue is, that's where the Cavaliers play. They've got the baseball and the football stadiums right there by the lake. And there's been a renaissance in downtown Cleveland over the last 30 or 40 years. There was When I was a kid, Cleveland was known not so affectionately as the mistake on the lake. And I don't remember much about Cleveland because I left there when I was a kid. And I didn't even live in Cleveland. I lived in farm country northeast. But Cleveland suffered mightily. It was polluted. It was just not a fun place to live. That city has completely changed. But there's also a culture in Cleveland. When you talk about the Cleveland Browns, uh, the former owner, his name is Art Modell, left Cleveland in the middle of the night and went to Baltimore because the Baltimore Colts had left and they had gone to Indianapolis. So what was funny was Indianapolis team became the Indianapolis Colts. Here's the difference. There is such a culture in Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns. They were able to hang on to the name, which is why Baltimore became the Ravens. They were the Cleveland Browns. The organization top to bottom, including ownership, were the Cleveland Browns. They had to change their name. The city of Cleveland owned the Browns. You look at the, it is fan owned in Green Bay. So I can defend sports all day long, but it's about the bigger investment. This is just my opinion. I respect the people that are against this, but you've got a chance at an entertainment district. Go out to Westgate in the West Valley. Um, and I know this is where the coyotes came from, but go out there and take a look at what goes on there at the shops that are there, the restaurants and the life that is out there. Now, I think uh, Bob Parsons company bought that place and has put video screens up and it is a death Destination. It is a cool place. And unless you have investment and buy-in from the city in these places, um, you don't have that kind of growth and excitement. So I understand when people are saying it doesn't do enough about affordable this and affordable that. But the tax revenue that it's going to generate is going to make Tempe a wealthier city. So the programs you want and the things you want that help people that are disadvantaged in a bunch of different areas, that money is made from the tax dollars that are generated by projects like this. And this is, again, in a perfect world, um, would uh, would we have to do anything to get sports teams? No, we wouldn't. But we don't live in a perfect world. If you think back to the Coyotes when they became the Coyotes, they were a team called the Winnipeg Jets. They were relocating, and they were going to go to Scottsdale. What is now Sky Song was going to be an arena for the Coyotes. And I don't even know they'd have been named the Coyotes. But Glendale came forward and said, you know what? We want to see the growth of a professional sports team out here. So they offered the Coyotes a deal that there's no way they could pass up. So they took it. That wasn't the Coyotes' fault. Glendale made a bad deal. This isn't a bad deal for Tempe. You know what? What it and this is again just my opinion. If you're an opponent of this, I respect you. I just disagree with you. I think with ASU and Sun Devil Stadium, Tempe Town Lake, and everything that's around there, the proximity to the freeway, that arena, and that entertainment district is going to make property values go up. It is going to make jobs open up for people. It's going to be an exciting destination for people to be. I just I don't know how people see a downside to this. But I think it's I think it's rooted in people not liking that wealthy people are going to get wealthier and tax dollars are going to be involved. And I just think we have to get past that and realize it's a benefit for everyone. The New York Times has a story focusing on socialism, Venezuela specifically. Man, I love this story. I'm going to talk about it coming up in just a moment.
strong values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Now, this is a New York Times story. Here's the headline. Ferraris and Hungry Children, Venezuela's socialist vision is in shambles. It talks about the disparity in income as socialism promises equality, and there is none. Up to 7 million Venezuelans have simply given up and abandoned their homeland since 2015, according to the United Nations. It talks about a Ferrari dealership and upscale restaurants right down the street from the very poorest of the poor in this country. Um, and I, I, I bring this up because I am a capitalist. I am a capitalist knowing that not, not everything is fair, that there are people that have lost everything, including me, um, through no fault of their own, although I blamed myself for much of it. Um, when the economy collapsed, a lot of people, a lot of hardworking people lost their businesses and what happened in 2008, 2009 um, when the real estate market collapsed. But there were also people that made their fortunes in the years that followed. Um, there are weird things that happen. And you think this is weird. It doesn't make any sense. And to be I'm just going to be as brutally honest about my life as possible. I didn't file bankruptcy. I paid everybody back. But I short sold a home along with my ex-wife. And the reason why we decided to do that was this. We went to the bank and said, we owe you guys a lot of money um, and we will stay in our home, even though it's worth about half as much as we paid for it. But you got to do something with the interest rate. Just work with us. And they told me, the bank bankers told me, um, that's not how it works. As long as your mortgage is performing, no one's going to help you. I said, so in other words, I have to ruin my credit in order to get help. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, then why wouldn't I just walk away or short sell it. person on the other end of the phone said to me, that's what everybody's doing, and hung up. So I did. I thought, I'm making a moral decision, and you're making a business decision. So that doesn't seem fair. So I made a business decision in that case. But I held up my obligations everywhere else, and I wrote it out. I didn't stay in that house. We rented another house. I didn't stay in a house I wasn't paying for. We kept the power on. We kept the water on. We kept the lawn up so that it could be sold until it was sold. Um, so I did as much of the right thing as I thought I could at the time. My point is, even in a capitalist society, there is place, there are things that people believe are unfair, including me. Um, but at the other end of this, producers make money. And um, if you have a skill set, you make a lot of money. And I don't have a problem with wealth, and I never had a problem with lack of it. I grew up with very little, and I'm not any happier now than when I had very little. Um, but the American dream is alive for people that want to make a difference and make it. And, and when you look at these socialist countries, the government that controls everything promises you everything, and it has never worked out. The stories I've heard from the Cuban people I know. No, it's not socialism. That's communism. Different, but the same. Fidel Castro promised the Cuban people prosperity and equality. Everyone was going to share in success and prosperity, and that's not true. Everybody in Cuba shares in mediocrity at best. Most of the time, it's poverty. The state gives you your electricity. Why should you have to pay for your electricity? Well, they shut it off if you use too much of your power. Your water, which is also free, gets shut off on opposite sides of the street every other day. 
So people in Cuba fill their bathtubs. They don't use them to wash in. They use them for storage. On the day they have water, they fill their bathtub to the very top, and they use that water for cooking and cleaning on the days that they don't have running water. 21st century, 90 miles from Key West, and they don't have running water every day of the week. Why? Because the state pays for it. For decades, they weren't allowed to have creature comforts like hair dryers and microwaves and all these technologies that were everyday items in the U.S. Why? Because the power is provided by the state and the leaders. And if you own those items, they have to power those items. And it puts a strain on their already overstrained grid, and then they don't want to give that to you. That's what communism looks like. That's what socialism looks like. You talk about capitalism picking winners and losers. Socialism picks winners and losers. The elite connected people have what they need and the others will never get it. It's why millions of people are leaving a socialist government and making their way toward a capitalist country like the U.S. It is it, it, it boggles my mind that we are arguing this topic with people with all of the information that we have out there. It sounds great on paper. I'll be honest. If you if you show if you try to sell me socialism on paper, it sounds amazing. It sounds fair. It sounds like we're all going to work together. And, you know, a church is a socialist situation. Wealthy people in a church that sit in the same pews on a Sunday morning with people that don't have very much money. The rich give a whole bunch of money to the church and the poor give very little. Um, And then you volunteer your time and the money is divvied up to the people that need it the most within the church community and outside of it, depending on the pastoral staff and the deacon board and how they decide to spend their money. And that's a socialist atmosphere that works, except you can walk away from it anytime you want. You're not obligated to give anything. And if they, if you feel like they are mismanaging your money, you stop writing checks. That doesn't happen in these other places. And so uh, this is the New York Times saying they're having a lot of trouble with socialism in Venezuela. I've been pointing in the direction of Venezuela when we hear people in America talk about democratic socialism and they hold Bernie Sanders up as some savior to the world. It sounds terrific, except – Every single one of those people have friends that are benefiting from the very tax system that they say is bad, including most of them. Most of those people also hire accountants to pay as little in taxes as they possibly need to, all the while demonizing other people that are wealthy. I just think that the demonization, this bourgeoisie versus the proletariat nonsense has got to end. I just think we should be, all of us, suspicious of the government, not suspicious of each other because of the government. Coming up uh, just after 11 o'clock, what is ESG? We talked about this earlier, and how does it play a role, and how could it play a role in your retirement? Is it in trouble with people going with a different philosophy? It's a great question. You'll learn more about it coming up next.